Do you care enough about your brother, sister in Christ when they're walking in the darkness? Or do you let them go? Oh no. Or do you tell them for their own protection that they're going in the wrong direction do you care enough or do you care enough do you love your brother and your sister in the Lord when sin and Satan have deceived them into thinking nothing's wrong do you pray for them that they see they've gone astray do you tell them for their own protection that they're going in the wrong direction do you care enough or do you care enough or restore your brother with gentleness show them love of the Lord or restore your sister gentleness show them love of the Lord you know it's up to you do you care enough or do you care enough have you not read in Proverbs that faithful love the wounds of a friend but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy now which one are you my friend have you told them for their own protection that they're going in the wrong direction do you care Oh, do you care enough? Do you care enough? Oh, do you care enough? Do you care
All right, uh, thanks, Titus. Thank you, Keaton, for doing the slides. And good evening to all of you. Could you turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 15, verse 22? Romans chapter 15, verse 22. We're going to begin the fifth paragraph that's uh, contained in Romans chapter 15. The very last paragraph is contained in the, uh, Romans uh, 15, uh, contained in verses 30 through 33. Couldn't get that out. But uh, so this is the second to last paragraph. And what's going to be interesting about this paragraph that we're going to be uh, begin to look at is Paul's going to talk about his plans, uh, his future plans, his tra- uh, travel plans, and distant plans to go to the city of Rome. His ultimate destination, though, would be Spain. He wanted to evangelize Spain, going further west uh, as as he could in the Roman Empire, and he is uh, going to stop on the way uh, on the way over to Spain. He's going to stop in Rome and uh, spend some time with the Roman believers and also to solicit their help to give him financial and material aid so he could go to uh, Spain and evangelize that part of the uh, the empire. So this is, uh, we're going to talk more about Paul and his ministry on behalf of the Gentiles. And we're going to see this evening, we're going to study verse 22 of Romans chapter 15, where Paul is going to tell us that his ministry on behalf of the Gentiles, prevented him from visiting the Roman believers. So he had a desire, as we'll see this evening, a great desire to see uh, the Roman believers. But of course, he had responsibilities that had to be taken care of, and that would involve church planting and uh, going through the different uh, areas of the Roman Empire that had never heard of Jesus of Nazareth as the Son of God and the Savior of the world, and that through faith alone and Christ alone, you could have eternal life and the forgiveness of your sins. So Paul was busy about that for, for decades, trying to get the gospel message out to the Gentiles and, and the uh, dif- uh, different parts of the Roman Empire. So that was holding him back. He heard, of, obviously, he must have known about the Roman believers for a long time. So uh, we're going to see uh, Paul, uh, his, again, his dedication and devotion, because he would not break off this, vi- he would not uh, break off his duties uh, to go see the Roman believers. He would not do that. He wouldn't go see them until he had accomplished everything that the Lord Jesus Christ had uh, wanted him to do so, and the Spirit wanted him to do. So this, again, is gonna, we're going to be bringing up the issue of Paul's dedication and devotion in his obedience, his obedience to the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk a little bit about the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit in these verses, uh, in the next several verses, because the Holy Spirit... Uh, you don't see it in your, the original, but he's actually, uh, the passive voices, voices of the verbs are, ta- are called divine passives. And basically, Paul wouldn't go to Rome and to Spain until the Holy Spirit permitted him to. So Paul was guided and directed by the Holy Spirit every step of the way. In fact, his journey to, to, uh, to uh, Jerusalem was guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was actually warning uh, through different believers was warning Paul that when he got to Jerusalem with that gift from the churches, Gentile churches in Macedonia for the poor Jewish believers in Jerusalem, they had told him, they warned him that he would be going through suffering and he would be imprisoned. But uh, that doesn't mean that he, had, he needed to stop. He had to go in, even though he was being warned by the Holy Spirit that tr- he was walking into a lion's den. So it's uh, kind of interesting. So uh, a lot of people think that when the Holy Spirit guides and directs you, he guides and directs you into safety. And that's not the case. I don't know if, you, if you've been walking with God for any length of period of time, a lot of times the Holy Spirit's going to walk you into a lion's den. He's going to walk you into a bad situation, and he's going to do something through you. 
And so don't ever buy the lie that the Holy Spirit only guides and directs you to a good situation. He'll many times guide and direct you into a difficult situation for yourself. And I, I can vouch for that in my life, especially as a pastor. So you're going to, sometimes the Holy Spirit's going to have you do things that you just, you say, oh, geez, I really don't want to do that. And well, take, for instance, Jesus. He was going into the desert to face the devil. Who was driving him to go into the desert to face the devil? The Holy Spirit. So that's something you've, uh, something we'll be bringing up as we go into these next, next several verses or the rest of the chapter. So with, um, well, also I just wanted to, uh, bring up some certain things about, uh, you know, the, uh, and uh, we're talking about the study of the Bible. Before we get underway, I was just, as I said, I like to bring up from time to time uh, different dis- uh, things I'm reading about and how they apply. And, and in this ministry itself, you know, we, as you know, we're an expository type teaching. That means we go verse by verse through the different books of the Bible. And uh, somebody, somebody actually, I think, I forget who was in our ministry, they actually came up with a, a good point and they got it. And I was, I was glad that they got it, but um, uh, they were, we were talking about going verse by verse. If you miss, let's say, for instance, uh, you say you, a lot of times you'll say to, uh, you'll hear me say, "If you're not here, get the classes. You got the website. You can get CDs. There's no excuse not to get a class. You get it. You can put it on your iPod. I mean, it, you know, you can listen to it in the car. Like I think Billy Elvis does that. You, uh, you did. And uh, so, if you're not here, at least you're getting, you're keeping up with the teaching. So this ministry, if you miss Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and uh, actually I got an email from somebody that was really cool. They said, you know, they were actually admitting that they were, it wasn't, um, uh, what they were saying is that if I miss a couple of classes of yours and I get lost and I show up on Sunday and I'm lost, it's not because of you, it's because, it's because I've missed the first, I've missed the three classes during the week. Uh, and it's kind of like, um, I forget who was talking to me about it. If you, let's say you miss Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, well, you know, it's like trying to walk into a movie. What if you went to see a movie that has a tremendous, intricate plot, okay? And you walked into the movie about an hour into the movie. You're going to be lost, okay? Especially if it's an adventure flick or a drama. or a thing. You're going to miss the whole... You, you can't walk into it. See, a lot of people, they think, that when they come into the, this industry, you know, they think that they can go disappear for two months and then come right, hop right in. And many times you can, but you're missing a lot because you missed all the other stuff. For instance, those of you who've been faithful and following along with the book of Romans, and verse by verse in the first, you know, we're up to chapter 15, verse 22. You, you see the plot, you see what Paul's doing, you see his argument. If you go in the middle, if you came in the middle of the book, you know, you're missing a whole bunch of stuff. You're missing the progression of Paul's argument. And you're missing the whole, you know, when this epistle was written and read, I mean, when it was read in the churches, it wasn't meant to be read, okay, we'll just read chapter 12. In fact, they didn't have chapter markings anyways. So it was meant to be read from beginning to end and studied from beginning to end. So if you miss a a couple of classes and then you try to hop right in, yeah, you're going to get lost. You know, so that's why I say you follow along with the teachings, the classes you miss, you should, uh, you know, you should uh, get them and then you'll be able to step right in. But if you're you're way behind, I mean, yeah, of course you're going to get lost. And that's, you know, that's not my fault. That's your fault for not keeping up with the teaching. And that's the type of ministry it is. That's the type of teaching it is. The Word of God, you know, the, we, we go verse by verse. And other ministries do different things. They do topical studies. Hey, that's cool. But this is the way, this is the way we're, we're, you're to teach the Word of God. And that's uh, very important that we understand that. So it, it, it demands dedication on your part. And it demands academic discipline. And it, and it's, it takes discipline 
to be a part of a ministry like this. I mean, you can be a part of this ministry and have no academic discipline, and you're not going to get everything that you need out of it. And uh, so, you know, a lot of pastors say, well, you know, should should simplify the message and all that. Well, you know, to me, that's that's like taking your kids. And whatever your kids tell you to do, you do what the kids tell you to do. Now, how the kids are going to grow up if you're always capitulating to the kids? The kids are never going to grow up. Of course the kids are going to say, I don't want green beans. Okay, good. They're never going to grow up, you know, and if you just let them get their own way. Well, as a spiritual father of this church, I have to do things that are in the best interest of the congregation. And this is the best way, I, as God has led me, to, uh, to, to communicate the word of God. So that's something you got to keep in mind. And um, it's very important that we, uh, we, we keep these things in the back of our mind and always remember these things. So, um, you know, in the book of Romans, you know, the book of Romans is especially the way Paul wrote it and the argument and how one point builds upon another, one thought builds upon another. I mean, you pop in the middle of that, you know, that's just stupidity. You're never going to get anything. That's why a lot of people who get our, order our materials and like they see us in the Roman series, they'll get the beginning of the series. They'll, or Genesis. And they'll, they'll do all this, you know, before they, uh, they get to chapter 15, they'll look at all the other chapters. You'll be there for a while because it's over, five, over 500 hours of the first 15. When I haven't even finished the 15th chapter, we had over 500 hours. So, uh, and you might say, and I, you might say, well, Pastor Bill, why do you take so long to do it? Because, the word of God is uh, is precious. It's it's not something that you just go, you know. It's not like McDonald's, as they said. It's it's something that you should treat with respect, and uh, you know that's what I try to do is show respect for the word of God. And I really don't care if I flat out just don't care if if, if it, don't people don't like that. That's just the way it is. This is why I teach, and if people don't like that, there you know there are other churches that you can go to, and. Uh, but I gotta, I have to lay my head down on the pillow at night, you gotta remember. And I'm gonna wanna have to, I'm the one who's gonna have to stand before Christ and give an account of my ministry. So God has been telling me, this is how you're to do it, Bill. And my conscience would bother me if I do it any other way. And that, that doesn't mean I don't develop and make changes. I should. And I do listen to criticism, believe it or not. In fact, that's, that's fine. Um, but the criticism, um, is is it should you know even bad criticism you can learn something from, but uh, it's very important we we uh, you know we don't look at Bible study as something to entertain us, you know too many people are looking for entertainment today, and are they you know they're really serious about their relationship with God if they are, you know then you know this is a if you're serious about the Word of God and learning about it I think this is a there's a lot of ministries like ours. This is a ministry to be in Iowa. If you're in Iowa, and you really, I really believe that. And I've checked around the Internet and gone different places. And that's not to say other people aren't teaching the Word of God. They are. I know a Baptist preacher does it. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm into it. only way I can say, I'm into it. So, you know, if you are into it, this is the place to be. This is my life. This is my life. I am totally sold out for it. And, you know, that's the way I am. And uh, you can call me zealous. That's great. That's a good way to be. I'd rather be zealous than lukewarm, like the Laodicean church. So um, I just wanted to share those thoughts uh, with all of you and, and approach the, the approach to Romans that I have and, and why I do it. But anyways, uh, let's, let's uh, segue out of that. I just want to throw that in there before we get underway. But let's take a moment of silent prayers. We normally do. And uh, I never assume that everybody's in fill, filled with the Spirit or that everybody knows how to be filled with the Spirit. Um, that, uh, you know, a lot of people walk into our, uh, listen to the website, uh, go to the website, listen to the class. They never heard our ministry before, never heard of our teaching. 
And uh, they come in pal talk, they walk into the, the chat room and they don't know what the ministry is about. This is for them. I know most of you know what I'm going to say, but the next few moments are for the people who are not familiar with our ministry. We take a moment of silent prayer right now before we hear what the Spirit will say to us through the teaching of the Word of God in order that we can confess our sins to the Father, as it states in 1 John 1, 9. Paul calls it judging the body rightly in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. John's terminology is confession of sin. And David knew that in the Old Testament. Uh, the confession of sin was taught in the Levitical offerings, by the way. Remember, the, the, uh, the believers in Israel were taught through the Levitical offerings about confession of sin. So this is a very important time, because if you can't, you can't hear what the Spirit is saying to you, uh, if you are, have bitterness in your soul. I mean, I, I know what this is like because I've, I've sat in a ministry and the guy's teaching and you might have mental attitude sins in your battle. You're like, you might, let's say you have a problem with me or something's going on in your life and you walk in here and you haven't heard a thing that the Spirit says. Okay? And, it's, and you, you, you have to be prepared to hear the Word of God. You have to be an active listener. You have to pay attention to what's being said. You have to listen carefully to what the Spirit says. You can't sit there and say, oh, whatever Pastor Bill says, I agree, I agree with. Well, that's like the Catholic Church when they do with Rome. Okay, whatever the Pope says, that we agree. Well, you know, a lot of people, you know, you have to explain things in Bible class. It's not entertainment all the time. Uh, it shouldn't be entertaining. It might be entertaining. But you're here to learn and to be educated in the Word of God. So that means you have to hear what the Spirit's saying to have that happen. And so that means we confess our sins. Once we've done that, to maintain that fellowship, we've got to obey the Spirit. Because otherwise, if you don't do that, you're going to sin. You're going to get out of fellowship. So your sin nature and the devil are always trying to get you away from hearing what the Spirit says, to reject the Word of God. So this is a very, very important time, because you could blow the whole hour. You might as well have just stayed home if you were going to be out of fellowship with God the whole time. So confess the sin, then once you maintain that fellowship by bringing your thoughts into obedience to the Spirit, and He speaks to us through the teaching of the Word of God. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxieties upon the Lord because He cares for you. So if there's something that's bothering you uh, in the ministry or bothering you personally or whatever you're facing, uh, you need to do that. And I have to do that too because... You know, contrary to some, you know, some people, I do have feelings and I, I am a human being that has problems just like anybody else. And I might not show it to you because I have to lead. But uh, I have difficulty. I have to, many times I've had, before I've taught, had to deal with mental attitude sins or I've had to deal with a tremendous pressure going on in my life that I don't let you know because I don't, it's, you don't really need to know. So I have to cast my, all my cares and anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for me. So, and you have to do the same. So, we're all in the same boat in that sense. So, let's do these things if we need to. And uh, so, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for another day, another day to enjoy creation, 
another day to experience fellowship with you, your Son, and the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, for thinking about us in eternity past and sending your Son to the cross while we, we were yet your enemies. We thank you for raising us up and seating us with your Son at your right hand when we were dead in our sins and transgressions. We thank you for doing this through faith in your Son. We thank you, Father, for also for revealing all the wonderful blessings and privileges that we have because we're in your family, because now we're members of the body of Christ, the future bride of Christ. And we thank you, Father, for all that you've accomplished in the past through both your Son and the Spirit, what you're doing now for us through them and also in the future. We thank you for giving us the guarantee of a resurrection body and rewards if we're faithful. We thank you, Father, for this church and the people that you've raised up in this geographical location that are uh, serious about the Word of God and, and those who are not. We thank you, Father, for each and every individual who is faithful in giving their time, talent, and treasure and praying for this ministry and those who are not. We just thank you for all those, all those who are believers here. And not only in this geographical location, but those who are part of our extended congregation in different parts of this country and the world who are also in spirit having fellowship with us right now, even though we're separated many times by oceans and uh, great continents, we know that through the Spirit we can experience fellowship with each other, though we're separated by, by many miles. And we just thank you, Father, for each and every one of them. And those in the chapel this evening that have come into this room and have taken time out from their busy days, from their problems and difficulties, jobs, businesses, families, husbands and wives and children, we just thank you, Father, for them, not only those in the chapel, but, again, those who are on the Internet. On Pal Talk, we'll be viewing this class at a later date. And we lift up our ministry, Father, as a whole. We pray that all of us would continue to grow in love toward you and each other, that the Holy Spirit would continue to give us insight into the great power and love that has been directed toward us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that you would continue and guide and direct this ministry. We know that your Son, Jesus Christ, walks in the midst of the lampstands, and uh, that meaning he is sovereign over the churches and that your son right now is, uh, is doing that. He is judging, he's encouraging, and he, he is in control of the church. Whether we, we, we don't see him, but we know he's in control and through the Spirit is governing all the churches throughout this planet. We just thank you, Father, for that and help us all to be aware of that and that we would treat each other uh, with character and integrity and love and forgiveness and patience and tolerance it would not fall for the lie and give in to the sin nature and treat each other otherwise and treat each other with uh, in, in, in the power of the sin nature. Help us to see that we have to give an account to your son and that he does discipline, but also he rewards as well. So we know, Father, that at this time in the life of our church that we're going through uh, problems and difficulties, but we know that you and your son are in control and help everybody in this ministry to understand that and be aware of that including the pastor, of course. So, Father, we pray this evening that you would help the communicator to deliver your full counsel to your people, that they would be ministered to, and you and your Son, Jesus Christ, would be lifted up and glorified. We know through the power of the Spirit that's the only way that he could do this, and also it's the only way the Spirit's the, uh, the only uh, makes it possible for those in the audience to hear what, uh, what needs to be said and hear your will this evening. So help those in the audience... Uh, through the Spirit, to understand the message and to make the proper application, to be sensitive to the Spirit, to, to understand what the application is, uh, whether it's explicit in the message or it's implicit, help them to be sensitive and active listeners rather than passive and lazy and slothful listeners, Father. And we pray for these things in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's name. 
Amen. All right, this evening we're going to begin a study, as I said earlier, of the fifth paragraph of Romans chapter 15 by noting verse 22. And in this passage, Paul informs the believers in Rome that his ministry on behalf of the Gentiles has, him, uh, has prevented him, or as we'll see this evening, delayed him from visiting them. Now, in verses 23 through 29, he relates to the Romans his future plans to visit them on the way to Spain after he first goes to Jerusalem to present material and financial aid to the poor believers in Jerusalem. As we'll see in these verses, especially verse 24, with the verb elpizo, uh, we see that he was totally confident that he was going to see them. And that confidence, remember, he wrote this epistle under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So his, the fact that he says, I'm confident that I'm going to visit you as I go to Spain, means that he did get there by the virtue of the fact that the Spirit was guiding him to say that he was confident that he would get to Rome and visit them by way, as he goes to Spain and stop on the way to Rome as he goes to Spain. So we know that undoubtedly he did get to Spain, even though church history is a little hazy. Now, in the final paragraph of the chapter is found in verses 30 through 33, which records the apostle to the Gentiles, the apostle Paul, requesting that the Roman believers pray for his safety while in Jerusalem and that he may come to visit them. It's a good thing, as we'll see, that he did pray, ask them for their prayers because he needed it. Because if it was, the Jew, remember the Jewish mob, as we read on Sunday in Acts chapter 22, was going to kill him, but if it wasn't for the Roman commander coming in and saving his butt, he would have been dead. And of course, that Roman commander came in because of the prayers of those Roman believers and other believers that Paul solicited help from. And when we get to that, that's a good example, that's a good example for congregations to follow when they should be praying for their pastor rather than complaining about their pastor. Because many churches have problems and difficulties and people like to take a shot at the, the pastor when they should actually be praying for them if they're so spiritual and rather than criticizing. So uh, this is what we'll see. Paul needed those prayers and if he didn't get them, he would have been dead. He would have died. So God the Holy Spirit uh, uh, was guiding and directing the prayer lives of the Roman believers so that, they, that, that they, uh, Paul would be delivered in the future. And also, as we'll see, he prays that he could visit them and, of course, uh, that he would get there safely and find refreshment, a refreshing fellowship with them. Now, look at Romans fifteen twenty two. He says, For this reason, I have often been prevented from coming to you. Verse 23, But now, with no further place for me in these regions, and since I have had for many years a longing to come to you, Whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you when I first enjoyed your company for a while. But now I'm going to Jerusalem to serve the saints. He's, that means he's going to deliver a gift that he took from the churches of Macedonia and Achaia. They were Gentiles. And he was going to give this contribution, uh, financial aid to the poor Jewish believers in Jerusalem as a token, as a symbol of their uh, unity between Jew and Gentile believers. Because remember, there was a, a bit of a problem between Jewish believers and Gentile believers and many of the churches uh, throughout the Roman Empire. And uh, the Jews, of course, were under the law, and grew up in the law, and the Gentiles didn't. So when they came together, as we saw in Romans 14, there was a potential for conflict. So right there, this gift, Paul was going to take it do it, and he was going to bring it himself, and he was going to deliver it himself, and he was doing it as a sign of, of a solidarity between the churches he founded that were predominantly Gentile with the churches in Jerusalem that were predominantly, of course, uh, Jewish. Now look at verse 26. For Macedonia and Achaia, that means the Gentile believers there, 
have been pleased to make a contribution to the poor, for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. And then he goes on to say in verse 27, yes, they were pleased to do so. In fact, Paul talks about this gift in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And they are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, the spiritual things of the Jews, and first class condition says, and they have, they are indebted, the Gentiles are indebted to minister to them, the Jewish believers, also in material things. Therefore, when I have finished this and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go on by way of you to Spain. Notice that giving is divine good. It's fruit. Giving under grace, not under uh, uh, trying to get the approbation of people or trying to gain an advantage with people or trying to draw attention to yourself. Giving should be directed by the Holy Spirit and it's called divine good when it's given with pro- when you give with proper motivation. That's why Paul calls it fruit there. Then he goes on to say in verse 29, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. And then he says in verse 30, Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together. As we'll get, when we get to that particular passage, it means fight together with me. Prayer can be a fight. That's what he's saying. Fight together with me by means of your prayers to God for me that I may be rescued from those who were disobedient in Judea. And we saw that in Acts chapter 22. He was rescued. And that my service for Jerusalem, the saints there, may prove acceptable to the saints so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God. He'll be happy he did a job well done. The Jewish believers there accepted the church. James, who was the head of the church, well, he was probably dead by then. Yes, he was. So the Jewish church there uh, was going to be accepting that gift, and they did, as we'll see when we, get to, uh, when we get to that passage. So then he could go to Rome and Spain and know his conscience was clear that he did the job. So he says, uh, so he says in verse, um, and, and then he says in verse, so look at verse 30 again. So I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. That I may, notice he's requesting prayer. That I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Now let's look at verse 22 uh, for the rest of the evening. Paul says, for this reason, I have often been prevented from coming to you. Now that phrase, for this reason, is actually one word in the original. It's the word uh, theo. And uh, it's coordinating the result clause in verse 19 with his statement here in verse 22 that he had often been prevented these many times from coming to the Roman believers. If you look at... uh, if you look at verse 19, or actually look at verse 18, he says in verse 18, For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, and the power of, the, of signs and wonders, and the power of the Spirit. Then he says, So that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. That last phrase in verse 19, I, uh, I have fully, uh, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. That statement is connected to the statement here in verse 22. Because this conjunction here, the inferential conjunction, 
the O, which is translated for this reason in your Bibles, it's coordinating the result clause in verse 19, which I just read, with his statement here in verse 22, that he had often been prevented these many times from coming to the Romans. Now, therefore, Paul is saying with this word that he had often been prevented these many times from visiting the Roman believers in the past because he was concentrating on fulfilling the task of proclaiming the gospel about the one and only Christ from Jerusalem circuitously as far as Illyricum. So you might be saying, why did I need to know that word, Bill? Well, very important, because words and sentences and phrases go together. And they, they, you have to know what Paul's thought is. You have to connect the thoughts. And you've got to find out how, why is he saying his statement here in verse 22? How is it, where is it connected? Is it connected to his statement in verse 21? Or is it connected to his statement in verse 22? Or, or, or verse 20 and 19? Which statement is it connected to? Because he says, for this reason. What, is, what does it that mean? Think. Why is he saying that? Why is he making this statement here? How is it connected to what he said preceding? Because it is connected to one of his statements preceding. Not verse 21 and not verse 20, but the end of verse 19. Okay? So you've got to... We need to know that because Paul is saying something here. So we need to interpret what he's saying, take what he says from the original language, find out what it says, then we can start finding about application. You can't get to application if you don't know what the passage says. You can't. You can't. And that's when you get into error when you have bad interpretation. So let's talk about interpretation, finding out what the passage says, and then we'll find the application. Very simple. Now, not translated, you can't see it in your English Bibles, is the, uh, the, the consecutive, or we can say the consequential use of the conjunction ka which introduces the result or direct consequence of Paul concentrating on fulfilling the task of proclaiming the gospel about Christ from Jerusalem as far as Illyricum. So it's not, you don't see it, they didn't translate it. In fact, let me show you my translation on the board of the verse that might be a little, it, it might be a little bit smoother for you. Look at verse 22. He says, consequently, for this reason, I have been habitually delayed these many times Namely, from entering into the company of each and every one of you. Notice that the word that's not translated in the New American Standard, I translated consequently. So what he's saying here with this word that's not translated, it indicates, let me flip it back to the slide here. This word, uh, ka, not translated in the New American Standard, it indicates that the direct consequence or result of Paul concentrating on fulfilling the task of proclaiming the gospel about Christ from Jerusalem as far as Illyricum was delayed, uh, was that he was delayed many times in the past from visiting the Roman believers. So he's saying here that because he was busy doing this ministry, planting churches, telling people about Christ among the, gen- uh, the different parts of the Roman Empire, communicating the gospel to Gentile individuals, saving them through the gospel, teaching them the word of God, when he, that was what was delaying him. So consequently, uh, verse 22, he says, for this reason, I've been prevented from coming to you. So because he was, verse 19 says, what was he doing? Proclaiming the gospel. Fulfilling the task for which Christ had, uh, had ordained him to do. To proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. That's what was holding him up. So verse 22 here is actually connected to verse uh, 19, the end of that verse. They're connected together. If you put them together, it's saying, Hey, I've been busy getting the gospel out to the Gentiles, preaching from uh, uh, Jerusalem to Illyricum. That's why I've been prevented from seeing you. 
That is the reason. Now he says, and this is where the Holy Spirit comes in here. And he's, though he's not mentioned, he's, he's actually, he's there behind the scenes. Because it says in verse uh, 22, he says, For this reason, I have often been prevented from coming to you. Now, who's preventing him? Is it, is it, is it his ministry? Is it the devil? Who is it? Is it the Holy Spirit? Who is it? Ask yourself the question. When you look at the text, what are you doing? What are you thinking about? That, ask yourself a question. That's what you got to do. The text will tell you. You got to look at the context. You got to look at the verse. You got to study it. You got to you got to meditate upon it. And the word, the Holy Spirit will guide you. But you got to be you got to make yourself available. Now, when he says, "I have often prevented uh, been prevented from," that's composed of the verb encopto. It's in the imperfect passive indicative form, and that's important. The imperfect uh, is very important, that tense, and I'll tell you what that means in a minute. And that's translated, I have been prevented from. And then with it as its object, we have the word police, translated often. Now this verb, encopto, uh, it's translated prevent in your Bibles. Now let me show you uh, the Net Bible, the e English Standard Version Bible, the NIV, the New American, the New Revised Standard Version, the New King James. They all translate the word Hinder. Now let me see if I can put the Logos program up here and then float this particular screen here so you can see the different translations. Because the translation hindered or, or uh, prevented is, uh, is not uh, correct translation and I'll tell you why. And yes, it is semantics because wor- there's, uh, words mean certain things in their context and the, the task of the translator is very difficult because he has to find the right English word or words that convey what the original says. Now, the, the, it, it means something here. Now, the Net Bible says, it records, uh, translates verse 22 as this. This is the reason I was often hindered from coming to you. So, encopto, they translate it as hindered. Uh, look at the English Standard Version Bible. Right here, the, below the, NA, uh, the New American Standard. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. Uh, the, uh, the NIV, it says in the NIV, this is why I've often been hindered from coming to you. And the, uh, the New Revised Standard Version, this is the reason that I have often so, be- so often been hindered from coming to you. So that's incorrect, and I'll show you why it's incorrect in a moment. But that, when it says, it, because it, it conveys the word hindered and prevent, convey the idea of some resistance or opposition. There was no resistance or opposition keeping Paul from coming to Rome. It was only his task was the task the Holy Spirit had set for him to do of evangelizing the Gentile regions of the Roman Empire, that's what was preventing him, or as we'll see, delayed him from coming to the Roman believers. So this verb, encompto, translated prevented in your Bibles, and hindered in those other translations as I showed you on the board, convey, uh, is, is, uh, it, it doesn't mean to hinder or prevent, because the, uh, this conveys the idea of some sort of resistance, or that someone or something was interfering with Paul's plans to go to Rome. So the word prevent or hinder, it conveys the idea that someone was resisting Paul, keeping him from going to Rome, or that they were hindering him from going to Rome, like the devil or somebody, or some person. But that's not what's going on. He's not being, he's not being hindered. He's not being uh, prevented from by, by somebody or something. He's been delayed. Now, however, as we see, Paul has made clear that he has not yet visited the Romans due to the fact that he had been fulfilling, had been concentrating on fulfilling the task of proclaiming the gospel about Christ from Jerusalem 
and circuitously as far as Illyricum. Look at verse 19 again. He says, In the power of signs and wonders and the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. That's what he was doing. He was busy doing that. That's why he was uh, delayed from coming to the Roman believers. His work was, was delaying him. Not, his work wasn't preventing him. His work wasn't hindering him. The Holy Spirit had set him to do a task and that was delaying his arrival in the city of Rome. Now, thus it was a legitimate task that God had given Paul. That was the reason why he had not yet visited uh, the Roman believers. Therefore, the idea of encopto, translated prevent in your Bibles, is that Paul's desired visit to Rome was delayed by the fact that he had been concentrating on fulfilling the task of proclaiming the gospel about the one and only Christ from Jerusalem and circuitously as far as Illyricum. Delay implies a holding back, whereas hinder would imply interference or progress. Paul never gave up on the idea of going to Rome, but the Holy Spirit, who was leading and guiding him, was holding back, or we could say, delaying him from visiting the Romans until he fulfilled the task of proclaiming the gospel from Jerusalem as far as Illyricum. He had to finish the job. Okay? What can we derive from an application about this with Paul? He wasn't going to go to Spain. He wasn't going to hit Rome, see them, until he finished the job. A bad thing is when we don't finish the job. What has God called you to do? Have you finished the job? Have you completed the task that God has given you? The Holy Spirit will tell you. And then he gives it, like for instance, when I was in Massachusetts and I was ordained back at Grace Bible Church, and I was ordained in 1998, I knew, and I was ordained in 1998, and in August of 2001, I came out here. In June of 2001, some families out here asked if I would be interested in candidating for a church that they were going to start. Well, I knew leading up, after I got ordained, about a year after that, I knew the Holy Spirit was putting on my heart to go, to leave and to go. And so what happened was, I was the head of the prep school there. So I started making plans, because I knew the Holy Spirit was going to move me out of GBC eventually, to move plans and put somebody else in place as the head of the the prep school. Because I knew the Holy Spirit was guiding and directing me. Things were happening. He was guided. He was, I was listening to him through the Word of God and also listening to him through uh, 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 people and also uh, circumstances. So the Spirit will speak to you through all three of those things, primarily through the Word of God. So I knew that I was on the way out, that God was going to move me because he put on in me this desire to do something, to teach the Word of God, to have a church. He, many times, he will put this tremendous burden on you and you will, you'll, you'll, until you release that burden, it'll drive you crazy. And right leading up to the time I came out here, I knew that that's what he wanted. He wanted me out of here. He put in me this tremendous desire to go and start, go out and have a ministry somewhere, to go and, and do it. And he, so much so that I was chomping at the bit to do it. And then when the door opened up, boom, I was gone. And that's how the Holy Spirit works. So we see that, uh, that you know, the, the, about two years before I did leave, I gave my, I told Bob, uh, Bob that, I, you know, I, I, it's, I, it's time that I step aside and let somebody else do this because, so they're not, they're not left high and dry. So 
they took over, these guys, I think it was Joe Chagru and, and Scott Grande, the prep school, but I kind of helped them out. You know, I kind of, I left everything there and kind of helped them out. So it was a good transition, but it was important that I had to, uh, to, uh, they had to be weaned off me, so to speak. So then sure enough, without, before you knew it, uh, a situation came up where they, people had inquired about my services out here and then I was gone. I knew it was the, what God wanted because God, the Holy Spirit had put me in this tremendous desire to go and, 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 and go get out and do a ministry and do something. So he lays that on your heart. So this is what Paul was doing. Paul would not go to Rome and Spain until he was, had finished what the Holy Spirit had put in his heart. The Holy Spirit was pushing Paul, pushing Paul, pushing Paul, evangelize this, this region, go to this city, boom, boom. And he did it for decades. It didn't happen in 10 years. He did it for decades. He was saved, what, probably in the mid-30s of the first century. And when he wrote, Philipp- when he wrote Philippians, or Corinthians, in 57 AD, he's saying he's done. So let's figure that out. That's, uh, let's say he was 35, eight, Jesus was crucified and died and rose again from the dead in approximately 32, 33 AD, around there. Paul was saved not too long after that, a couple of years after that, maybe. So that's probably, let's say, conservatively, let's say it's 35 AD, 37 AD, somewhere that Paul gets saved. 57 AD is when he wrote this epistle, and he's already saying he's finished all that he needed to do. He completed the task that God had given him. I mean, look, look, at, the, look at the passage. Look at Romans. Look what he says. He says it. I'm done. He says in... Uh, he says in, in the verse 19, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ, meaning I have I fulfilled the task of proclaiming the gospel in these regions. So that took how long? 37, let's say 37 AD to 57 AD. What's that? 20 years. It took 20 years for him to do that. Now that is incredible. Now what drove him to do all that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was driving him to go all these regions. The Holy Spirit will put on your heart a burden for something. And until you finish that, he will not let you go. He will not let you go of that, that, that task. And then once you fulfill the task, then there's a, something, he, he gets you ready for the next thing. So Paul, remember, he never gave up on the idea of going to Rome, but the Holy Spirit who was leading and guiding him was holding him back or delaying him from visiting the Romans until he fulfilled the task of proclaiming the gospel from Jew- Jerusalem as far as Illyricum. Now, the adjective police, translated often in your Bibles, functions in verse 22. It functions as a substantive, that means a noun, and that's indicated by its articular construction. And it's in the plural, and it's used in a temporal sense. It indicates that on many occasions, Paul had planned to go to Rome, but the Holy Spirit had other ideas. Don't miss that. You couldn't figure that out with English. With the English, look at it. Says in verse twenty-two, for this reason I have often been prevented from coming to you. Now the word "often" there is "police," is it not? Yes, it's in the plural. Now "often" is a word that's in the singular. <laughs> it means, and it's and it's used in a temporal sense. This word in the Greek, it means many occasions. That's the kind of translation you should have. It means that many times. Paul wanted to do something. What? Go to Rome. That word often means Paul wanted to go to Rome on many occasions. But the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not done with what I have you to do. Until you finish what I have you to do, once you do that, then 
Then we can talk about going to Rome. Then we can go talk about going to Spain. And his ministry, as I've been bringing this up, at this point in his life, Paul's at a crossroads here in his ministry. It's 57 AD. He's in the city of Corinth. He wrote this letter in the winter of 57, and he's looking back at his ministry. He's writing this in Romans 15, that he's, fully, he's fulfilled the task of proclaiming Christ from, an, from Jerusalem as far as Illyricum. He's, he's fulfilled the task. He's done. And he's going to top it all off with taking an offering from the Gentile churches in Macedonia and Achaia, all the churches in those Roman provinces, be giving a massive gift to the poor Jewish saints in Jerusalem, and that will capstone, that will complete this phase of his life. He's coming to a certain phase of his life. It's, it's coming to an end. You ever, you ever do that? You ever see that in your life? I, I, in my life, I tell friend, people all that all the time. You know, there's a uh, certain, uh, well, we won't go there, but there's there's certain things where you know that, uh, you know, God deals with you in certain, you know, like, for instance, with me. Every 10 years, something happens in my life big, you know, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm coming up to 50 now. When I was 20, I get saved. When I was 30, <laughs> when I was 30, I dumped my good, well, my girlfriend dumped me. I don't know which what it was, but, but anyways, I got into Bob's ministry seriously. I was already studying the Bible seriously. Then when I got to around 40, I came out here. Now I'm coming up to 50. Hey, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going to get married. I don't know. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. But this is, see, see uh, Paul is, as that, is at that kind of stage here in the, in the Romans. He, know, he, he, he knows a certain part of his life has ended here. He has done with this the task that Christ had him to do. And now, after he drops this gift off in Jerusalem, then he's going to end up in Rome. And he gets there as a prisoner of the Roman government. So we see that, we see that uh, Paul... He's at a crossroads in his life. It's a new, he's things, something, something else is, t- is going to take place now in his life. And now he's, ch- he's going to go where God directs him. The Holy Spirit is behind the scenes. The Holy Spirit will never tell you. He's the one who's telling Paul that you're done with the task of fulfilling, of proclaiming the Christ in all those Gentile regions. You did it. Now I want you to drop off this gift in Jerusalem. There's going to be trouble for you, the Spirit told him. You're going to suffer there. They're going to arrest you. They're going to put you in chains. You're going to be a prisoner. He knew all that, and he didn't stop him from going. He ran right into the trouble because that's where the Spirit was guiding him, just like the, the Spirit was guiding Jesus in Luke 4 to go into the desert to face a hand-to-hand combat with the devil. Trouble. Facing him. Throwing right into the... Into the uh, direct him into the fire. And that's what Paul was doing. He was following the direction of the Holy Spirit. He was following him, and he did get to Rome. He did get to Spain, and the Spirit was guiding him the whole whole way, the entire way. You know, the Holy Spirit, you know, it's really, you know, it's very important that we learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. How does he speak to us people? Well, I'll tell you right now, he will never, he will never ever, he will never ever uh, say anything to us that will feed the sin nature for any selfish reasons. He won't tell us to do anything for selfish reasons. He will, he will talk to us through people who have godly viewpoint, who have divine viewpoint. You know, I, I used to, let me give you an example. A lot of people mean well. Like, for instance, people will say to me, if I had a dime for every person that said it, I'd be a millionaire. But a lot of people have come up through the years and said, you know, especially when I came out here, oh, when you move out to Iowa, you meet an Iowa farm girl and you get married. Said, and I always said that, you know what? Is the devil telling you that or is God telling you that? Because if God's telling you that, okay, it will come to pass now, right? 
Well, that hasn't happened. Now, what was going on? People's emotions. I'm trying to illustrate something. People's emotions, oh, I feel bad for you, so I want you to have a wife. And that, that's great, they have compassion for you. But are you talking from the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit telling you this? Or is it your own emotions and feelings? Okay? The Holy Spirit will always say something to us that agrees with the Word of God. Thus, it's important to interpret the Bible correctly. Because if you misinterpret the Bible, you're going to think you're listening to the Holy Spirit when you're really listening to either your sin nature or the devil. So that's why it's accurate interpretation of a passage is important. So the Spirit will also speak to us through circumstances. He will speak to us through circumstances and godly people, and he'll speak to us in prayer. And he always, and so this is something God will also ask us to do things that challenge our faith. Oftentimes, the Holy Spirit will often do things, ask us, tell us to do things that are going to challenge our faith. And also, some people will not understand what you're doing. Let me, uh, forgive me for using myself as an example. I don't want to use other people because I only know me right now. <laughs> Let me give you an example. When I came out, you know, when I came out to, uh, to Iowa, you know, when I came out to Iowa, um, you know, the, the, there were people who didn't want me. To, my, some, some people said, you're crazy to go to Iowa. Why are you going to a group of people you never met before? You're going to leave behind your job, your family, your nieces and nephews. What are you doing? You're crazy. I mean, people, they thought I was out of my mind. I had some people saying, and they only because they love me, you'll be back in six months. Well, here it is, nine years. Nine years in August. Now, the Holy Spirit was telling me to do something that, from a human perspective, was absolutely nuts. Hey, look at Abraham. Not to compare. Look at Abraham. Abraham, leave your family. I'm gonna, and Abraham was, didn't know where he was going. At least I knew where I was going. But Abraham, what did he do? He picked up and he didn't know where he was going. He just said, go west, young man, and I will show you the land you're going to go. Now, think about what his, his friends that he grew up with and his family must have thought. You're out of your mind. You're crazy. But sometimes the Holy Spirit will surprise you and speak to somebody that you didn't expect. I'll never forget my mother. When she, you know, After she subsided with emotion, she goes, you know what? And I thought this was great. She says, I know you have to be about your father's will. I almost choked up and cried. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit was telling her. He has to do the Father's will. He has to go to Iowa. See, the Spirit, my time, will ask you to do something that nobody will understand why you're doing it. You're going to be misunderstood sometimes. I can't tell you how many times there's things that happen in this ministry and decisions I've made or set things I said. You know what you're doing? Are you crazy? Uh, no, I'm not crazy. And yes, I know what I'm doing because I've been sitting around praying about it. What do you think I do all day? I te study, teach, and pray. My job. So I was thought out when I do something. Paul, he did the same thing. You know, Paul reflected. He meditated. He listened to the Spirit, that still small voice to talk to him. And one of the things, reasons why Christians don't get enough enjoyment out of their walk with God is they don't get time, they take time to listen to God. And I think Iowa is the perfect place to listen to God because it's so quiet out here. I mean, crying out loud. At 10 o'clock, everything is pretty much closed except for the, you know, the strip bars or something, you know? Don't ask me how I know that, but I'm just telling you, you know, the, 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 basically, you have a lot of time to contemplate infinity, you know? You can sit around, walk around, and you've got quiet time. It's quiet out here, you know? And, and, you know, that's a good thing to think about your life and what God has you to do. 
and to think about things and talk about things. Talk things out with God. Talk to you. You call it talking to yourself. But a lot of times, you know, you say, hey, Father, I want to talk. I'm trying to reason this thing out, what I'm dealing with. Do that. And the Spirit will guide you and direct you. And circumstances will happen. And you'll say, ah. And you'll notice. You'll notice that something comes in that's the Holy Spirit. Because it'll, the odds of the thing coming in at that time, a certain event coming in, are astronomical. It, there's no accident that certain thing happened in your life. You'll know, many of you might know what I'm talking about. I've had it happen to me. It's like, this, you're going through something, and all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, something happens, and you go, oh, that had to be of God, because the timing of it is like absolutely ridiculous. It's like some, God, obviously, this was, the, the timing is just tells you it's God. You just know it. And the Spirit confirms it to you. So Paul knew that. Paul was very sensitive to the Spirit, and he, on many occasions, wanted to go to Rome, but he couldn't, because the Holy Spirit had other ideas. Now, when he says coming, if you look at Romans chapter 15, look at verse 22. For this reason, I have often been prevented from coming to you. The word coming there is composed of the, uh, uh, the article, uh, O, which is not translated. And then we have the, the verb erkoma. And erkoma is, means to enter here. And, uh, and because we know that, because the prepositional phrase that follows uh, pros humas speaks of Paul being in the company of the Roman believers. So when he says from coming to you, it actually talks about him being in the presence of the company of the Roman believers. It talks about fellowship with them. So he's looking for, he's been prevented by the Holy Spirit. And the word prevented there, encopto, is in the passive voice. It's a divine passive. It means that the Holy Spirit was delaying him from going to the Roman believers and entering into their fellowship. Now's not the time, Paul, to go there. Later on, you'll be able to go there. And Paul knew that. Now, when it says to you, that's the prepositional phrase pros, and then we have the personal pronoun in the plural form, second person plural form, c, which is translated you. And this word, uh, personal pronoun c, is used in a distributive sense. It means each and every one of you. And it refers to each and every member of the body of Christ in Rome, without exception, regardless of their race, gender, or social status. It functions as the object of the preposition pros, which is used of the Roman believers and speaks of a personal, intimate fellowship or relationship between them and Paul. And it enters and it denotes that his coming into the company or into the presence of the Roman believers. So when he says, for this reason, I've often been delayed by the Holy Spirit, you can put parentheses, from entering into your company, company or entering into your presence. So that phrase there, coming to you, is talking about Paul having fellowship with the Roman believers. So to wrap this study up this evening, Paul says in Romans 15, 22, he relates to his readers in Rome that as a result of concentrating upon fulfilling the task of proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles throughout the Roman Empire, he was habitually delayed many times, namely from entering into their company. So this is what Paul, has been, he's been delayed by the Holy Spirit, by the will of God. In fact, it's actually implicit. If you look at Romans... Uh, look at, uh, keep, let's look at verse 22. Let's keep reading. Watch what it says. Romans 15, 22. For this reason, I have often been prevented from coming to you, but now, with no further place for me in these region, regions, and since I have had for many years a longing to come to you, passionate desire, whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing, and to be helped on my way there by you, when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. But now, at this present moment, I'm going to Jerusalem serving the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. 
yet they were pleased, yes, they were pleased to do so, and they're indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they're indebted to minister to them also in material things. Therefore, when I finish this, when I drop this gift off and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go by way of you to Spain. See, his ultimate destination wasn't the Roman believers, but Spain. Why? Because Roman, the church was already established there. Spain, that was a, that was a field that needed to be harvested. Okay? Now, he, then he says, he then goes on to say in verse 29, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the blessing of the, uh, the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be proved acceptable to the saints. And then look what he says. So that I may come to you in joy by the will of God. It wasn't the will of God for him to go to Rome yet, into Spain. He had had to do this thing, drop this gift off in Jerusalem for the poor saints. So, the will of God, the Holy Spirit, who reveals to us the will of God and the word of God, and in prayer, and as we meditate upon the word of God in prayer, and who speaks to us through circumstances and peoples and different events in our life, he was the one who was guiding and directing the Holy Spirit. He's that person of the Trinity who's behind the scenes, guiding and directing our lives. That's why you hear, don't hinder the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit like Ananias and Sapphira did. He's a person and he is guiding and directing us. And if we sin against him, then what happens is we we don't know where we're going. We're walking in the darkness. When we're walking in the light, we can see where the Spirit is guiding us and directing us. So this is what we're finding out with Paul. We're going to develop this further as we go into these verses here, the next several verses this week. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time to study your word. We thank you for everyone here this evening. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts this evening and help us to make the proper application. We thank you again, Father, for the word of God. And we thank you for the spirit of God. And we pray that this message would bring glory to you and your son, Jesus Christ. And again, minister to your people. So, Father, we pray for these things in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen.